0: Welcome to the podcast, everyone. It took Congress 15 years, but we finally have a new law that corrects some of the problems with the Postal Accountability Enhancement Act and forms the foundation for the USPS Delivering for America plan. Of course... I'm talking about Postal Service Reform Act of 2022, which was formerly known as H.R. 3076, a topic I've been discussing on this podcast for over a year now. And it's always interesting to me to reflect how sometimes Congress can move at a snail's pace on some issues that on the surface seem like a no-brainer, and yet capriciously rush through political agendas that can take years to reverse unintended consequences. PAEA, as the 2006 Postal Reform Enhancement Act is often called, was known to have an issue within just two years after it passed. The requirement to prefund retiree health care benefits, while perhaps a noble idea at the time, was immediately impossible to comply with as soon as the Great Recession hit in 2008. And yet, it took over a decade for Congress to finally remove this burden, which the USPS stopped complying with shortly after it was enacted. I won't go into all the details of what the Postal Service Reform Act entails, as I already did that on a prior podcast, but I will say this. This legislation that is now law is long overdue. It not only provides a $58 billion foundation for the USPS Delivering for America plan, It also removes what has been somewhat of a distraction from other key initiatives for the USPS and the mailing industry overall. In fact, as I reflect on this new corrective law to PAEA, it is really just a reaffirmation of what we already know. Yes, USPS pre-funded retiree health care is unnecessary. Yes, the USPS should continue delivering mail six days a week. Yes, the USPS should be allowed to provide non-postal services to local governments provided they cover their attributable costs. And yes, there should be greater transparency in USPS service standards at national, regional, and local levels. So while the Postal Service Reform Act of 2022 is absolutely welcomed meant to by many in the mailing industry, it's sort of a bit of a, duh, we should have done this like a decade ago. Okay, so moving on, which is what the PMG basically said at MTAC, let's focus instead on other real issues for the USPS and the mailing industry. The April MTAC meetings were thankfully in person, as well as via remote for those who, those members who may still be unable to travel. I attended in person, was very pleased to see well over 100 of my fellow MTACers and dozens of guests gather in the Ben Franklin room of USPS headquarters, And a super thank you to the MTech staff and leadership team who set up tables for us to sit at the meetings. Thank you, thank you. That was so much more comfortable this time. The PMG kicked off the meetings with the same passion and candor many have come to respect, including me. He again noted how everything was so broken when he got there and that, in his opinion, he could build a better, faster USPS from scratch rather than trying to fix the current one. That may be a little bit of a challenge, though, but I understand and appreciate the sentiment. His leadership team is working on over 200 get-it-right initiatives, as he called them, and you could tell that they are 100% behind PMG to Joy in working it quickly to execute on the Delivering for America plan. After the PMG's opening remarks, Dr. Josh Colon, USPS Chief Retail and Delivery Officer, provided an update on how the USPS is leveraging their vast amount of data that they now have to track and improve the quality of mail handling. Dr. Colon is continuing to implement the same type of proven technologies and methodologies used for the eastern area operations, which resulted in improved mill handling. Jackie Straco, USPS Chief Commerce and Business Solutions Officer, then provided a review of the USPS Connect suite of services. This includes national, regional, and local parcel pickup and delivery primarily aimed at small businesses. Flat rate pricing for local delivery ranged from $2.95 to $4.95 per parcel, so a fairly competitive price for next day or, in some markets, same-day delivery for parcels. And after a brief break, we heard from Greg Lovensheimer from the paper industry. Greg noted that 39% of all paper flows through the USPS. Unfortunately, there is a serious paper shortage right now, and margins for paper suppliers are on a razor's edge, as he said labor shortages, supply chain headaches, price increases, and more have made the recovery from the pandemic more difficult for paper suppliers. And unfortunately, envelopes are being hit the hardest as they typically have the lowest margin. This, along with the steep increases I'll discuss in a moment, are having a devastating impact on transactional mailers and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Another topic discussed during MTAC was the Business Customer Gateway and how the USPS is working to provide a bird's-eye view of the overall USPS network. A color-coded system of blue, green, yellow, orange, and red would visually reflect how each facility is performing for mail handling within established parameters. The concept is certainly intriguing and welcomed but many mtac members were of the opinion that the status was more of a leading indicator than a more immediate reflection of problem areas now personally i'm a big fan of any data the usps is willing to provide and think there may indeed be a future value in this for some type of trending or or maybe a warning system fss the usps flats sequencing system is finally being slowly dismantled. These football-sized sortation machines, which may have made sense 20 years ago when flat volume was much higher, are being removed with about 20 such machines being dismantled. The USPS has not yet changed the FSS sort schemes, but it is very possible that they may slip something into the July 9th price increase. So we need to keep a very close eye on this. And finally, the USPS also provided an important update on preparations for what they believe will be a huge year for election mail. They have a new organizational structure for election and government mail services, have been having outreach meetings since February with state executives and local jurisdiction administrators published an updated 2022 Election Mail Guide known as Kit 600. So if you're doing Election Mail or in are interested in expanding your business with this type of service, you do need to download Kit 600 and read it and understand it. So, that, And you also may want to reach out to a company like BlueCrest, who has this amazing end-to-end solution for Election Mail known as ReliaVote. So All in all, a good MTAC meeting that felt somewhat normal, albeit without the Tuesday evening reception. And I do hope that they bring the reception back, uh, as that sometimes really does provide an additional venue to chat about topics discussed during the day and help guide the focus group to the conversations as well. Now, switching to the July 9th price increase, which Sharon Owens, USPS Vice President of Costing, presented during MTAC since it was filed with the PRC during MTAC. No surprises, at least not from what I've been reporting and discussing in the podcast. The USPS is moving forward with the maximum pricing authority they can based on the filing that they did last month with a range of 6.5% to 8.5%, depending on the class of mail. The largest contributor to this sizable or judicious, as the USPS calls it, price increase is actually CPI-U, the Consumer Price Index Urban Rate, due to the highest inflation in 40 years. The 6.5% price increase breaks down as 5.135% for CPI. And then you have the adders of 0.584% for volume density, 0.785% for retirement, and banked authority of 0.004% for first-class mail. Now, you might be wondering, as, as am I to an extent, Why there was still a retirement adder, even though the postal legislation was supposed to remove that adder because it was all based on pre-funded retiree health care benefits. Well, the answer from the USPS was that the retirement adder was actually initially to be over 1%, but they did factor in a partial reduction, which is why it's only 0.75%. So there is there is a little bit of a reduction due to, uh, to the passing of the law, but not enough to really appreciably move the needle, certainly not uh, in comparison to the significant inflation that's going on right now. So 6.5% at the class level for first class and marketing mail, But periodicals get hit with a non-compensatory increase of 2% more for a total of 8.5%. Ouch. I realize periodicals is considered underwater in terms of cost coverage, but I'm not sure how much more that class can continue to take. I realize that this is not a popular opinion, but I've always thought that periodicals is the one class of mail that really could make a good case for some type of subsidy from Congress to remain a viable form of communication in this nation. I mean, periodicals bind the nation, providing educational, cultural, scientific, and informational value, often abbreviated or known as EXI, and are really the anchor of the mailbox, enabling and facilitating more mail volume through other classes of mail, such as first-class and marketing mail. Okay, okay, I know I have a soft spot for periodicals, but perhaps it's because I grew up reading and enjoying Highlights for Children and National Geographic. Hopefully, periodicals can hang in there. Because I know there's a lot of people that subscribe to them, myself included, and we do value uh, what they bring to us in our mailboxes. As always, the devil is in the details with any price increase, and that is certainly true with this one. Marketing mail has a few areas where increases are well above the 6.5% average. This includes high-density letters at 12%, flats at 8.5%, and marketing mail parcels at 9.8%. However, the pricing incentives have also widened to pre-sort and drop-ship marketing mail, especially at the SCF. Drop-shipping five-digit mail to a NDC, National Distribution Center, would yield a $2 per thousand discount and an additional $1 per thousand discount if you go to the SCF, the Sectional Center Facility. Now, if you got saturation mail and you drop that at the scf versus origin it would yield a five dollars per thousand discount that goes a long way to help offset the transportation costs for the industry to transport it themselves to those scfs for that destination entry discount so Now that we have the price proposal, we just need to see the sortation changes. And, of course, that assumes the PRC approves the pricing, which is still pending, right, you know, being proposed. But that seems pretty likely that they will. And as always, the goal of software providers is to get the updated technology to our customers as soon as possible. So we ask that you please be patient as we work closely with our postal partners to understand the new sortation rules and provide feedback to them on any unintended consequences or errors. Folks, I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about mail tracking or how to better automate your mailing workflows, please visit us at bccsoftware.com or give us a call, as well as see us at the National Postal Forum. You're going to see Bluecrest, BCC Software, and our newest acquisition, Window Book, all right together at NPF in person in our booths. Uh, Right in there, as soon as you walk in, we'll be in the right corner, right in front, and uh, we're just going to be so thrilled to see everyone face-to-face. So hopefully we'll see you at the National Postal Forum, Uh, but if you do have any questions or you can't make it to NPF, please do visit us at bccsoftware.com or give us a call, because as always, we'd like to know, how can we help? Thanks for listening to the podcast, and have a great day, everyone.